Happy New Year and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth and now that we have celebrated the coming of the Christ child into the world, what is our response as those who are following or seeking to follow? Our response is to give our lives in service and praise and study and joy and fellowship and service. But we start as we worship together today. Come on in. Our first scripture comes from Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name, that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. This is the word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Galatian church. Hear now the word of the Lord. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a child, and if a child, then also an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, there's excitement in the air. Not only is there a holiday upon us, but there's also some pretty big football that we've got to take in this evening. I felt a little obligated this morning to lift up a special prayer on behalf of Big Blue and the Michigan Wolverines, but I thought better of it. I suppose that we ought to take time this morning to spend, uh, or we ought to spend our time this morning considering more important things than, than football, at least for a little while. But have you ever considered what a tremendous difference just one evening can make in our lives? You see, today is, of course, New Year's Eve, and as the sun sets this evening uh, and it rises the next day, we will have entered into a new season of hope. A new year has begun. All that was, all that had happened in the year previously has come to pass, it's over with, it's done, and we get to move forward. New possibilities, new hopes, new ideas, and new dreams are before us. Making New Year's resolutions takes the new year seriously as a fresh start. In making New Year's resolutions, 
Many of us try to make possible these dreams, ideas, and hopes. With the morning of January 1st comes not only a new year, but for many of us, hope of a new me. The trouble is, more years than not, we quickly realize that it might be a new year, but it turns out to be the same old me. Now, how many of y'all have already drafted your New Year's resolution for 2024? I'm seeing some shaking heads over here on the left. You've got a couple of hours to figure that out. I've got some raised hands. Let me hear some of these resolutions. What are, what are we trying to do this upcoming year? Make no resolutions. Old faithful. <laughs> you certainly can't go wrong with that. What else? What else have we got? Get back into hiking shape. Okay. I like that. I like that. What else? Try to be on time. I like it. I like it. I should probably adopt that one. I'm a little known to be prone to lateness. Um, Now, in the spirit of transparency, we were having a conversation up here this morning about resolutions and, and reading. Um, And in particular, I thought that I'd share with you one of my resolutions that I've had in place since last year. Um, So it was 2023, and today's the last day of 2023, and so I thought it'd be really good to try and read 23 books over the course of 2023. And boy, would you know it, we finished 23 books in 2023, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. That's cover to cover. We're not talking picture books either. This is fully-fledged chapter, adult reading material. Um, Now, I will tell you that I squeaked in narrowly. I finished my 23rd book yesterday um, on the 29th, but we, we managed to make it. There have been other resolutions that I've put into place in years past that I didn't quite sneak in like reading books. Um, there's a couple, um, cutting back on eating frozen pizzas and exercising. Um, In fact, exercising was one of my resolutions for 2023, and we didn't quite hit the mark on that one. Can any of y'all relate to this? Is this a a solo struggle of mine following through on my resolutions? Okay, thank you. We can commiserate. Misery loves company. (laughs) So, My folks, my sister and my mom, we share this app called Goodreads, and I know that there's a couple of us here this morning that use that as well, Um, and it's wonderful. As we heard in our children's sermon this morning, it's good to sometimes have accountability, but let me tell you, I'm not such a big fan, um, primarily when it's coming from my dearly beloved family members. My sister and my mom were keeping tabs on my reading progression, and I was getting asked while I was home over the holidays have you done any reading today? You know, you've got, a, you've got like three books that you've got to knock out while you're here in town before you get home. Um, and that wasn't quite a great feeling, partially because I knew that uh, time was slipping through my fingers and also it started to, I started to doubt myself even, whether or not I was actually going to be able to achieve the goal that I had set for myself. And that is a widespread um, issue in my life. If I'm being honest, I'm not really one for making resolutions. I like the idea of a resolution being making no more of them, Um, primarily because uh, I have an issue with following through on them. I've always ended up falling short, um, and I told you I cut it real close on the one that I managed to succeed with this year. 
but I have a little bit of fear associated with New Year's resolutions. I, uh, by the end of January, I've usually fallen short. For example, that resolution to exercise was missed before January even wrapped up in 2023. And by the time February rolls around, I've usually forgotten whatever it is that I had decided that I wanted to do for the year. The problem with resolutions for me personally is that it makes me aware of the fact that um, I have a terrible tendency uh, to set unrealistic expectations for myself and also I'm tremendously undisciplined and I lack follow-through and sometimes resolve. I struggle with feelings of, of guilt, feel, failure, and shame um, right at about this time of the year. And that, that doesn't really bode well for, for the rest of the, the coming time. My original title for this sermon got the axe when I was crowdsourcing. Um, I talked to Cassidy Jackson and I consulted my mother and they both said, um, that title is going to ruffle too many feathers. So um, we got New Year, New Me today. Um, but the sentiment remains the same. Ultimately, my disdain, my frustration, my dislike for resolutions is tied to um, this fear of failure. Does any, can anybody else relate to that? We, I'm willing to do just about anything else to avoid failure in the eyes of myself, in the eyes of God, but especially in the eyes of the people around me, whether that be mom, dad, sister, friends, peers, the guy standing on the corner of the street, Y'all, when we're doing a unison prayer of confession, maybe, and I say mosh pit instead of in mesh, these kinds of things rack my brain. I struggle with them on a regular basis. As a kid growing up, I can think of no better example than uh, sports and school. I had a very brief baseball career, and it was uh, a storied one. Um, because I hate baseball. I hate playing baseball, I should say. I love watching baseball, but I hate playing baseball because there's nothing worse than stepping up to the plate and knowing that literally every other person at that baseball game has their eyes on you and swinging and missing that ball every single time. But let me tell you, that was my lived experience with baseball. And so rather than trying to get better and investing in developing that skill or getting better at the sport, I just quit. I said, this is not for me. I'm going to let me do something else where I can share the spotlight with teammates like basketball. That was the right move. And then with schoolwork, I had this figured out. It was perfect. Because you see, if you don't try, if you don't apply yourself and you fail an assignment or you don't get the maximum amount of points, well, you would have done better if you had just tried a little bit. If you had done a little bit of preparation or if you had studied, you've always got an out. But then then there's the possibility that you might succeed without having done any preparation. And then that is like, that takes the cake. Because then, imagine how well you would have done if you had just studied a little bit more, or if you had done a little bit of extra preparation. For me personally, with school, with baseball, with resolutions, I think I've found that I'm more comfortable remaining the same. Because if I remain the same, there's no chance that I can fail. There's no shot that I'm going to be embarrassed. There's nothing bad that can go wrong. But then there's no opportunity for growth. I remain stagnant. Today, I want to do more than just reflect on resolutions. Because I think that resolutions 
are tied or are similar in some ways to our walk with God. As a teenager, growing up, long time ago, being 31 years of age now, 13 years ago, I have distinct memories of attending youth conferences, uh, worship nights, retreats, setting up meetings with my youth leaders uh, to discuss accountability, as was mentioned in our children's sermon again. There were so many different things for me to participate in. And they all were sort of driving at this one thing. And it was changing your life, avoiding sin, making improvements so that you would draw closer to God and and become more Christ-like. It was my job, I understood at this point in my life, to set up strategies, kind of like resolutions, systems and people in my life that would help me to avoid sin, to draw nearer to God. It was my job to invite them into my life in a new and different way. Inevitably, these strategies, these systems, whatever things I put into place would fail, much like a resolution. And I would become dejected, and I would continue to go on my way for a time, accepting the the behavior, the the old way, the the sinful life, uh, as unavoidable, something that I couldn't change in myself. I look back on this time in my life, And I feel quite connected to the Israelite people. I was living by the law of Moses, you see. Focused primarily on a set of rules. And if I could just follow them to the letter of the law, if I could just uh, check it off my list that I had done my good little Christian duties for the day, I could confidently find my place in heaven one day at the end of my life. Fast forward to where I am today, 31 years of age, as I mentioned, and I can confidently tell you that I was never going to be able to meet the expectations that are outlined and set in the Old Testament. I'm going to argue that none of us are going to be able to do that. I've managed to avoid some of the big ones, like I've never killed anybody, and I've, uh, I've never grabbed a stone and started chiseling away at it to make an idol or anything. But there are others that I continue to struggle with, and I'm sure that there will be more that crop up before my life is through. This list of rules, like resolutions, led me to feel discouraged most of the time. It wasn't life-giving. It didn't make me feel good. And ultimately, I got to a point of sadness, and it left me questioning what the point of all of this was if I was never going to meet the goal. I hope today, if there's anybody that can resonate with some of those feelings, or if you've ever wondered about what the point of all this is, that you hear the good words that Paul has for us in the letter to the Galatian people. I want to share with you again, as I've sort of established a tradition of doing, um, Eugene Peterson's translation of the text found in the Message Bible. It goes a little something like this. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his Son, born among us, of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children, because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father, doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave, but a child? And if you are a child... You are also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. Friends, this is good news. We are redeemed. 
We have been freed from the life of constraint found by living and being bound by the law of the Old Testament. This doesn't mean that the law is over and done with, for it was made by God and therefore it is of great importance. Simply put, we are not evaluated based on how we score on some holy aptitude test. We are the children of God in whom there is great joy and deep love. We do not need to fear the disappointment of God or worry about whether or not we have failed God. That bill has already been paid by Christ. Instead, we have an opportunity to live into the promise of Paul's writing to the Galatians. We are God's children. We are heirs to God's kingdom. We can choose to live into that promise, and that is when everything changes. Instead of being focused on ourselves and the things that we are doing and practicing and creating a list of resolutions that primarily focus on improving our own lives, we could instead seek out opportunities to extend God's kingdom that we belong to and that we live in. Remember the words of that sermon that I gave a month or so ago, the message of Matthew 25. We can seek places to care for the widow, the orphan, the tired, the sick, the homeless, the incarcerated, the hungry, and the thirsty. In my experience, as an added bonus to doing those things, when I'm caring for those around me, my life sort of just kind of falls into place. Some of those things that I aim to do through resolutions just sort of come together naturally. Friends, it's not lost on me that this season, Christmas and New Year's are difficult. Trying to set goals and achieve growth are important things. What I want for all of us, though, is to hear that our God is so proud of you and of me, that God loves you dearly and has so much joy and delights in you. Remember, again, the words of Isaiah from Eugene Peterson's translation. I will sing for joy in God, explode in praise from deep in my soul. He dressed me up in a suit of salvation. He outfitted me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom who puts on a tuxedo and a bride a jeweled tiara. For as the earth bursts with spring wildflowers and as a garden cascades with blossoms, so the master God brings righteousness into full bloom and puts praise on display before the nations. Regarding Zion... I can't keep my mouth shut. Regarding Jerusalem, I can't hold my tongue until her righteousness blazes down like the sun and her salvation flames up like a torch. Foreign countries will see your righteousness and world leaders your glory. You'll get a new name straight from the mouth of God. You'll be a stunning crown in the palm of God's hand, a jeweled cup held high in the hand of your God. No more will anyone call you rejected and your country will be named Hephzibah, my delight, and your land, Beulah, which means married, because God delights in you, and your land will be like a wedding celebration. And as a bridegroom is happy in his bride, so your God is happy with you. As we leave this place today, as we gear up for food, family, maybe even a little bit of football, And as we think about the way that we want to start 2024 and you work on creating these resolutions, I hope that you'll treasure in your hearts the message of the prophet Isaiah as well as the words of Paul. We have these things that we want to do. We want to make changes in our lives. Those are good things. But remember, don't be discouraged. 
When February rolls around and you realize you haven't been to the gym in three weeks, it's okay. God still loves you. God is proud of you and delights in you. So friends, as God delights in the whole of creation, so does God delight in us. Let us shed any feelings of failure, sorrow, and ineptitude and live into the role of dearly beloved children of God. Hallelujah. Amen.